fire, fire. Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's your buddy, Peter Don, Pete the Planner, host of the Pete the Planner Show. We're trying to think of what to call the show, and uh, Pete the Planner is what we settled on. Joining me, as always, is my good friend, my colleague, my namesake, Damian Dunn. Hello, Dame. Hey, Pete. It makes it seem like I was named after you. I wasn't. You are older than me, so it's conceivable that your family of Dunn's consulted with my family of Duns, and they're like, well, let's go ahead and give him the same last name, even though they're not related. What do you think? I appreciate you uh, pointing out that I'm older than you. Thanks. Much. Okay, Danza, hello. Welcome to the party. Our, listen, everybody, um, we're going to record a radio show here. That's what we do every week on the Pete the Planner Show podcast. Dame, um, let's do a little show planning. So we did get that question in about self-directed IRAs, which we are going to not only talk about, Hello, Mike. Good to be with you. Uh, we are then probably going to go into alternative asset class discussion in the second and arguably third segment. The third segment sort of nebulous right now. I don't I think we're going to find our way to it. You know what I mean? Yes. Boam and news to follow. Dame, also, please remind me to mention the affiliates again and again and again. Sure. Repeatedly again. OK, I uh, sometimes I do a good job of that. Sometimes, most of the times, I do not. Hello, Casey. Good to be with you. Uh, you want to start the show? Because I, I have things I got to get done today. And so you know how that goes. All right. We can jump on. And gosh, we could just about have the first segment knocked out before people really start signing on. Did I ask you, how are you? That doesn't matter. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to decide whether I'm interested in your answer. But it does seem important to ask. Well, I mean, since you asked, I mean, I'm, I'm doing great, Pete. I've got a big weekend planned and it's going to be fantastic. Hello, Jameson. Hello. Uh, is uh, TD watching here today? I don't know. It's a fair question. All right. Thomas, if you're watching, hello. Brian Pankins, ladies and gentlemen, is joining us on. Uh... Dame, do you know what I do every Tuesday night at 10 p.m.? <laughs> well, I didn't think we were talking about that on the air. Uh, I listen, I go to Twitch. Really? Yeah, and I watch my friend DJ Metronome, who wow. is a uh, legendary DJ in central Indiana. No, seriously. <laughs> he has a show called Take That Tuesday. Uh, and it's, it's, they used to have, for 15 years, they had like a DJ set at a particular establishment mm -hmm. live. But then when the pandemic happened, they had to go online. And so they created this like live streaming community since last March. And of course, you know, I'm not going live to an establishment at 10 p.m. on a Tuesday. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But I have been virtually tuning in and feeling relatively cool. Needless to say, I'm always the first person there. I comment. <laughs> and then at some point, like 27 minutes in, they're like, all right, well, Pete, you're probably heading to bed now. And I generally <laughs> am falling asleep when they're saying that. Anyway, I bring that up because my friend Brian Pinkins, who is joining us right now, is a frequent uh, attendee to that virtual party as well as well as his parents which is why it's so amazing huh. yeah no that's how cool you know you're cool when your parents do cool things I, I i might have to download twitch to check this party out you should okay so go to uh dj metronome all one word mm -hmm. metronome is g-n-o-m-e dj metronome all one word anyway um let's start the show all okay. right in th oh oh i almost messed up i almost messed up i didn't have a clock ready to go i knew i was missing something now it's ready in three two one 
This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And whether you're listening to us on our podcast, our live Friday stream on Facebook or YouTube, or one of our eight affiliates, such as WIOU in Kokomo, Indiana, Welcome back to the show. Damian Dunn joins me as always. No relation. He is a colleague, a coworker, a friend, a confidant. He's basically my Golden Girls uh, cast all in one. He is Damian Dunn. Hello, Dame. Which one would you say I'm most like, Pete? That's a good question. How's the song go? You're thank, a friend. Uh, thank, thank you for being a friend. Okay. Uh, thank you for being a friend. Okay. Friend, friend and a confidant. Confidant. Yeah. Confidant. I meant, I meant which Golden Girl? Oh, Mm, Dorothy, you're Dorothy. So? Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Who am I? Am I Blanche? No, no, I, you're probably uh, probably Estelle. Okay, Estelle Getty. Um, okay, so here we go, Dame. Uh, we actually have a great question about uh, self-directed IRAs. Dear Pete, my husband and I are. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm reading an email from a person. Hi, Pete. My husband and I are trying to get more information on moving our 401ks to a self-directed IRA for each of us. We've had no luck with local investment people. They either don't know enough about them or do not want to touch moving the money to a self-directed IRA. We are anticipating the market will be tanking soon. We don't want to lose most or nearly all of our money that's tied up in a 401k, like what happened in the early 2000s. Can you provide additional information as to whether the self-directed IRAs are a good money move for not losing our nest egg in a 401k, or is there a better alternative to the 401k to move our money? Thanks for any input. L and J. I didn't say their full names. Listen, um, here's the thing, Dame. I We read this earlier in the week, and we said we're going to make this a segment, but now reading it again, this is the whole show. I, I've just decided <laughs> this is absolutely the whole show today. All right. So much there, there it, is. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna park self directed IRAs for a second because there, there's so much more we have to hit before we even get there to answer this question. So this idea that you can take money of your out of an active four hundred one k and move it out of the active four hundred one k is a very rare thing. Help us understand that, Dave. Yeah. So what what uh, L and J are referring to, or or may not be completely aware of is an in-service withdrawal. 401ks can offer, and I say can because they certainly don't have to, offer the ability to take money out of the plan and move it into a an IRA, a traditional IRA uh, with uh, a broker dealer or a vendor of your choice, a custodian of your choice. Uh, a fair number of them do uh, offer this uh, this capability, I think it's close to sixty or seventy percent uh, really? of four hundred one k's. Yeah, uh, according to according to the, my research department, it is uh, sixty to seventy percent. Wow! I, which I was shocked. I, I thought I would have thought it would have been you know thirty or forty percent, honestly. Uh, but there are some stipulations on who can access that money. So there there's a, an age restriction. Uh, you, you have to be. Uh, was it? Uh, Oh my gosh, I'm going to space on this. 50, uh, 55. Somewhere north of that. I, I'll tell you, when I was a financial advisor, it was incredibly rare. Only the biggest yeah. employers really offered in-service withdrawals. 
and I, I think that's flip-flopped a little bit now, but you know, research can be wrong. It's, it's happened occasionally. Um, but it, there is an age component to it. So if, if you're in your thirties at this point and you're asking this because you, you remember the, the last time there was a, some big turbulence in the market and you don't want to go through it and service withdrawal is not going to be for you. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Which gets to the really the second part of this question, Dane, if you have fear around a, we'll call it a market correction, primarily because that's what it's called. Moving your money out of your 401k doesn't solve anything necessarily. I mean, it does, but it's just sort of uh, overplayed. If you really feel like you want to protect your money from sinking in value because it's an equity in the equity market, just move it to the cash account within the 401k. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it drives me nuts. You don't have to be... Um the smartest person in the room on, on something like this. If, if you are fearful, um, do something simple with it and move it to uh, treasuries, move it to cash, do, do something that's going to hold its value during this time period. You don't have to try and make money on the other side of this, the, a correction either. So uh, there are certain asset classes that people like to flee to uh, at, at times like this. The problem is, is getting their, at the, at the right time, but then getting back out at the right time too. We're talking about market timing at this point, uh, using those assets long-term as a, a component of your portfolio is probably going to be the better solution rather than making a wholesale change at, at this point. Yeah. People don't realize if you feel like a market bump is coming up and by bump, that actually generally means go up, but, uh, uh, uh you're getting kicked in the teeth. How about that? The market's sure. going to go down. You got three options, right? You can just say, I know it's coming. I don't care. I'm in it for the long term. I'm going to let it dip because the reality is when this person said, you know, 401ks, like they got beat up in the early 2000s. Uh, guess what? It recovered it up. It's up hundreds of percent since then. Okay. So that, that is the ideal thing to do. The second thing you can do is like you said, I'm just going to sit this one out. You guys have fun. I'll jump back in at some other time, which is also a bad idea because you don't know when to jump back in. And then the third thing to do I mean, it's the old pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered situation where it's like, not only am I going to avoid the market meltdown, but I'm going to invest in something alternative to that and make money as the equity market is falling. That takes, I would say that takes guts, but I, I would say it takes a lot of skill, a skill that most people don't have. I would go a step further and say it takes a crystal ball. I, because the chances of you pulling this off, even within a, a few days on either side, maybe a week of, of either side is slim. You know, essentially picking the time to get out and then uh, making sure that you, you get back in at the appropriate time. Because if you leave it in those safety classes, whether that's cash, treasuries, uh, gold, whatever it may be, long term, you're going to suffer for it. So the emotions uh, and the behavior that go along with these decisions are the crucial component of it. If you can't get that right, you're going to be in trouble. Isn't this also why when people ask a financial question of a show like this or a financial advisor or even a coworker, you know, sometimes people ask their coworkers just like, hey, what do you think about this? You seem smarter than me. It's, it's so important to get to the heart of the problem they're trying to solve. Sure. Are they really scared of the market or... Do they just want to invest in something they can invest in within their 401k? Or 
Have they been watching infomercials that tell them that a self-directed IRA filled with this, that, or the other thing is the smart thing to do because the government's collapsing or this, that, or the other? And that, I believe, is where we're at. I mean that respectfully to the person who sent this email. I think you, this person, if they really want to avoid uh, uh, what they view to be an impending market meltdown, there's 10 other ways to do it that don't involve an in-service withdrawal to a self-directed IRA. Yeah, it's a great question, a great point. What are they, what's the purpose? What's the, uh, what's the emotion behind this? What are they trying to avoid? If you can narrow in on that, then there are, just like you said, there are a number of ways to try and circumvent those issues or, or, or make sure that you're taking care of those issues and hopefully accomplishing your overall goal, which is getting through this period, which you foresee coming uh, unscathed. I want to do something. After the break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the self-directed IRA though itself, because it is a thing and, and it's important for people to understand what it is. But prior to doing that, Dame, I'm going to tell you a slightly awkward story. Uh, I was on uh, a radio TV show thing with a guy who's very well known and he had a theory that 401ks are a scam and he put me on the spot on the air. And so we're going to talk about that next, how I responded and why the eyebrow certainly went up. All that is next on the Pete the Planner show. I'm your host, Beat the Planner. All right. Um, sorry, just doing a little housekeeping here. Levi makes it into the building. Hello, Levi. He says, does an individual with less than a million dollars regular income, but selling something like a business over a million dollars count as income and therefore qualify for the new capital gains rate? That's a good question. Um, Dame, I don't know. <laughs> I will say, I, and I don't know if you're going to talk about it today, but I think in a future episode, we I'd like to talk about that capital gains rate thing. Do you have sure. it in the news? Yeah, I, I don't have it in the news. I wanted to give it a chance to play out and see what kind of traction it got before we inserted it here. But um, Levi, my guess is going to be that that's going to be taxed primarily as capital gains at that point. So Levi uh, was on my Instagram this week and saw that I posted this Pete the Planner bobblehead that my coworkers uh, so kindly gave to me for the holidays a couple of years ago. And I held it up and I was talking about male pattern baldness and whatnot. And he noticed that the designer of this particular uh, doll, oh, the, oh, by the podcast people, this visual is fantastic, isn't it? The, the, the doll has two Apple watches on, one on each wrist. And Levi noticed that. And I thought it was pretty funny. It's uh, I'm not a cuff bracelet sort of guy. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just don't think that's my fashion jam. You could be. All right. Uh, Todd has a question before we jump back in. I came in a little late, so maybe this has been pointed out, but the fact that Damien has changed his art pictures around in the background is throwing me off. Wait, you did? Uh, there, there used to be a picture right over my right shoulder. This, right, this shoulder. It. it fell. So oh. I'm I'm waiting to get uh, some some way to hang it back up there but it's it's still here with me it'll be back up there soon uh, maybe replaced by a different picture actually i don't think it's creepy at all that todd was staring that closely into your background i just like that he appreciates good art all right dame coming up after the break here let's get into self-directed iras uh and then i obviously i think we're gonna make our way into uh alternate asset classes in segment three like i said this would all work out well don't forget to uh talk about affiliates three two one back on the pete the planner show it's good to be back with you whether you're listening on wibc in indianapolis w a w k is it called the hawk 95.5 in kendallville i believe so 
I mean, if your call letters are the walk, it's got to be the hawk. And then WVKI in Knox, Indiana. That's Knox with a K. Dame, for the break, someone emailed us and we're asking about a self-directed IRA. And and maybe we should talk about what a self-directed IRA is because it, it sounds like an obvious, oh, it's an IRA that you direct yourself. And then you ask the question, well, don't you direct all your IRA investments yourself? You can just put stocks in them. You can put mutual funds or ETFs or why is it not that simple? Sure. So when most people think of self-directed IRAs or they hear self-directed IRAs, I think you're exactly right. People go to the the fact that, you know, I can open up an IRA at Vanguard or Fidelity or Betterment or whatever and uh, put money into it and have some choice of what the investments are going to be and how risky it's going to be and, and all that. And And to a degree... I have to, I have to uh, agree. It's uh, self-directed in those yeah. ways. However, when we say self-directed IRA, we mean it's something a little bit differently. Um, regular IRAs can only house certain kinds of investments. Pete alluded, Pete alluded to that. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, cash, uh, things of that nature. Those are standard part and parcel, easily to be transacted uh, investments that you can house inside of an IRA. A self-directed IRA well, that gets a little bit different. You could have potentially real estate inside of a self-directed IRA. You could have uh, physical gold purchased with IRA funds. Uh, so, so your investment options broaden quite a bit for a self-directed IRA. Now, of course, that brings in other issues that come into play with rules that you have to play by and other costs that get la layered in there. And so you don't just open up a self-directed IRA unless you really have a, a specific plan and use and you know what you're doing with it too, which uh, the emailer made a, a, a comment about, you know, the local people they talk to either don't know enough about them or they don't want to touch them. And I think that's pretty darn common. Most financial advisors that I know, unless it's something that they hang their hat on, they don't want anything to do with self-directed IRAs just because it's, they're so different and the, the regulations around them are just off enough that it's not worth it to them to engage in business with somebody who wants to use a self-directed IRA. So it happens occasionally, but it's not common. If you want a self-directed IRA, you're probably going to be on your own unless you can find an advisor who specializes in them. Hey, breaking news, Dame. Oh? Um, yeah. I'm boring. Uh, did you know that? You are? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm heinously boring. I always have been. And when it comes to my own investing, I'm also heinously boring. I think boring wins the race. Can you talk about it at a cocktail party? No, but I'm not going to a cocktail party anyway. I find self-directed IRAs to be just unnecessary risk and trouble, in my opinion, for my life. If other people want to do them, have at it. But Dame, you mentioned people could even put a, a rental property within an IRA, a self-directed IRA. But, but help us understand where that gets immediately ridiculous on accident with someone just trying to do what they think makes sense. Sure. So there's this thing called uh, self-dealing and there's a no self-dealing rule inside of uh, self-directed IRAs. What this means is you can't provide services back to the IRA. Uh, so for example, rental property, um, faucet breaks in the kitchen, you decide, you know what, I'm going to save some cash. I'm going to go to Home Depot, buy that faucet, replace it myself, not pay somebody else to do it. Well, guess what? You just provided services back to the IRA and that's a no-no inside of a self-directed IRA. So that's one of the rules that I'm talking about that you could easily run afoul of, not know it, 
and have major consequences if you do so. So this isn't something to be uh, opened and starting to uh, to transact business in just willy-nilly. You got to know what you're doing. A lot of people are talking about putting Bitcoin within self-directed IRAs. I want to read this directly from Investopedia. Fees for Bitcoin trading take on various forms during the investment process from initial setup fees to custody and trading fees to annual maintenance fees. For example, setting up a $50,000 self-directed IRA account. And I just want to say, Dame, that's incredibly common. $50,000 within a self-directed IRA account almost seems like a floor more than anything. It's going to have at least $50,000 in it. Uh, Setting up for training can cost as much as $6,000 in charges during an initial setup, depending on the provider when you're dealing with Bitcoin specifically. And so, again, if what you're trying to accomplish is a hedge against the market, an alternative to the S&P 500, if you're in such a rush to provide that hedge, it's really easy to get caught up in self-dealing rules. It's really easy to get caught up with astronomical fees where you feel better because you've got this hedge. But the reality is, Dame, you are hurting your financial life. Now, let's go to what we view to be probably the most common filler within a self-directed IRA, and that is gold. Hmm. Gold bugs, buddy. The gold bugs are back. Did you know this? I Well, it stands to reason. I, anytime there's going to be some turbulence, you're going to hear uh, the gold bugs start chanting gold from the back of the room, and they will get progressively louder as they catch more ears. And uh, before you know it, you've got uh, you've got a movement on your hands. Gold rather consistently holds its value. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it, most of the time it does. But if what we're trying to do is to have our money grow, then we should probably go to the data and see what the data suggests around gold. So Dame, from 1990 through 2020, the price of gold increased by around 360%. That's that's phenomenal. Sure. 30 years, 360% cumulative return. Over the same period of time, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, you know, the boring one, mm-hmm. gained 991%. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. And, and so y- you hear that. And when the, when the market itself, which everyone wants to hedge against, is 3x the hedge, that seems problematic over a long period of time for the hedge. Yeah, I, you have to. I think when somebody enters into this debate with themselves, they have to uh, have to decide what they want to accomplish with this with this hedge. Is it simply tread water? which is fine. I, I understand that. I, I feel you totally on that. You just don't want to lose value in, in your account. Are you going to try and make money? Because if you are, that's another proposition altogether. So if you can figure this out, there are alternatives to gold to figuring this out. It's, gold has a long mythical history that, that people, I think, attribute a higher value to than, than they possibly should. Uh, but it is what it is. It's it's where it's at, um, and I I don't know I don't know how to break that that um, 
that emotion that, you know, times are tough. I'm going to go to gold because you know what? A, a gold coin is not going to do you any better than, than uh, something else at that point. I don't mind if people hold gold at all. But if they view it to as an alternative to an equity portfolio, mm. as the majority of the portfolio, like that doesn't even make sense to me. Like, no. have five percent of your money and go. I don't really care. But the idea that you would move the core portfolio in, into a gold holding makes no sense. It, it, with two other elements here, Dame. Number one, it is worth noting that over a fifteen-year period, it's a little different, right? Over a fifteen-year period, as opposed to a thirty-year period, it's really different. Uh, from 2005 to 2020, gold increased by 330%, okay? And the Dow Jones increased by 153%, mm -hmm. so it smoked it. But, but here's my reality as we go to break. You don't have to make money in the market every single year in order to have a successful investment outlook. You just don't. Oh, we're going to lose money this year. Who cares? It's, you don't need your money this year, and that's what people need to understand. Coming up after the break, more yelly, screamy, bold guy. I'm Pete the Planner. That was unique. I always feel bad ripping on the gold bugs because I have no problem with people holding gold. It's the yeah. people that think that other things make no sense in comparison to gold. I don't know. I don't know. I'm it's, not even articulating myself any well. well. Gold is gold is not a silver bullet in this case, which is confusing because we're, we're, we're mixing metals. What? I know. Uh, I, Gold pays no dividends. Uh, it doesn't compound. It has no economic growth component to it. It's just there. And this is the different primary difference between using gold as an asset class and a mutual fund or stock or whatever. There's going to be compound growth on basically everything else that you invest in, that you traditionally would invest in. And gold is just going to try and hold its value, maybe go up a little bit. But timing it and how much you hold of it, um, again, I don't have any problems, just like you, Pete, of people holding it as an asset class. But just do it in moderation like you would any other kind of alternative investment. I, I agree with you agreeing with me. That works well. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Uh, we're going to come back and we're actually just going to talk about alternative investments in general. We're going to go to the classic... Uh, I'm trying to think what's the, what's the name of the chart. I can't even think of it. Is it called like a Callan chart or something like that? It's oh, the, the one you sent yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, someone asked a question. Oh, it's Danza. I find it so interesting when folks get hung up on a particular investment or investment-esque uh, investment things such as Bitcoin, metals, whole life insurance. I, I agree. I mean, look, all of those things have a place. They absolutely do. I just think they're often uh, misprescribed or uh, misadopted for that matter. Sure. Uh, have I asked you if you hold, I, I assume, I know, oh, maybe you don't want to answer this. I Do you want to answer what I'm about to ask or no? Sure. I assume you hold physical gold. I don't. Not even a piece? I mean, a, a teeny tiny little nugget, but I, I, I mean, like in some scrap, but, but not, uh, not there's nothing that's like, I'm going to trade this for horses or something like that. No, no. Yeah. My, the metal, the metals I trade in Peter brass and lead. That's a gun joke. Um, I don't have any gold. Uh, I don't have, I, do, I, I would be afraid I would lose it. I can't defend myself. I'm a tickle fighter. 
Okay, let's get on to the show. Um, in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking, I guess, we were talking self-directed IRAs and gold. We might as well talk about different asset classes and how they perform over time. Dame, you've been in the financial business, well, a really long time. Uh, and here's what I know. Here's what I know. Uh, different classes perform differently every single year. And it is impossible, impossible to pick the winning class in any given calendar year uh, and a classic financial chart called the asset class winner chart uh, proves this. Is that what it's called? No. Oh. Okay. So, Dean, what I'm going to do now is for the last 10 years, okay, so what's that, what's that take us back to? If we you go for 2020, then I start in what, 2011, right? Is that how that works? Yes. One, two, three. Okay. I'm going to tell you the top asset class for the last 10 years, are you, do you want, have, you looked at the chart. Do you remember it? Uh, not that well. Do you remember what is probably the most common winner within that group? Um, no, I don't. Okay, good. 2011. And, and let's go through what some of these asset classes are, everybody, just to, sure. just to help you out. Uh, there are small cap, which are going to be smaller companies small capitalized uh, stocks. Uh, we've got high yield uh, bonds, okay? So a lower rated bonds that potentially could create more yield for you. Large cap stocks, these are often called blue chip stocks as you hear. Uh, commodities, okay, Dame, commodities. Now, now we actually theoretically could be talking about gold or uh, you know, corn or orange mm -hmm. juice futures, things like that. It's crazy that like pork bellies, pork and bellies, yeah. pork bellies. Um, on to emerging markets equity. Okay, so those are countries that are, you know, emerging economies. Right. We've got REITs or real estate investment trusts. Oftentimes, this is when uh, you know real estate markets are going up. You can invest in these companies that manage portfolios of real estate, more or less. I always like my oversimplified definitions that really do everything a disservice. They're really helpful. They're great. Uh, an asset allocated portfolio. Now, what's interesting about that is, damn, I don't know the mix on that, but we're just going to go with it. We're going to keep going. It is a blend of all of these things. Mm -hmm. uh, fixed income. So fixed income, you're going to look at uh, either bonds or you're also going to possibly look at dividend paying stocks too. Uh, and then developing market economies uh, is number whatever. And then the final one's cash. Okay. So those are the categories I just gave you. Okay. Okay. Is this just occurred to me? This may not make for interesting radio. Maybe <sighs> we're too far into it to turn back now. Oh, you never know. 2011 REITs mm -hmm. took the cake at 8.3% return on the year. REITs, real estate investment trucks, trusts. The worst in that particular year, emerging markets equities at minus 18%. Okay, so Dame, here's what you know. It's 2011. REITs did well. Uh, emerging markets did terrible. Uh, now you got to decide how to, how to invest your money the next year, which is always complicated. Well, in 2012, it was REITs again at 19.7%, which is highly unusual to have back-to-back -back winners like that. Uh, and commodities were the loser at minus 1%. 2013 is where it gets pretty wild. 
In 2013, small caps won out at 38.8%. Blew everything out of the water in 2013. Uh, and REITs were at 2.9%, just if you're wondering. And the loser was commodities at minus 9.5%. Then I'm going to just name the years because I think we, this could really get deep into the weeds. 2014, REITs again. 2015, REITs again. 2016, small caps were the winner. 2017, emerging markets were the winner. 2018, are you ready for this? Yes. Cash was the winner at 1.8%. That actually speaks to our, our first segment today, does it not? Mm -hmm. Totally. Because if the person would have gone the commodities route, which is going to be a blended uh, portfolio of you know gold and other sorts of things, this person would have uh, yielded minus 11% mm. that particular year. Uh, 2019, large caps at 31.5. 2020, small caps at 20%. Dame, this is why when people get fixated on something they hear on CNBC or something they watch on Bloomberg and this fund's going to be good and this is the one you need, that's great and all. But does this not prove the point of diversification? Totally. I... We don't know from one year to the next. I mean, you may be able to um, have a decent, uh, maybe even a, a, a good guess at, at where things may go based on, you know, geopolitical things and knowing that, you know, it's going to be a tough year for uh, developing markets or emerging markets. But to be able to say, you know what, this is blue chips year. We're, we're going all in on blue chips or, you know what, REITs are poised to make a, a huge uh, you know, comeback after a down year last year which I would imagine REITs were towards the bottom of the list last year, Pete. Uh, do you have that there? They were at the worst. They were at minus yeah. 5%. Go figure. Yeah. Now, do you, do you think that that's going to change very much this year? No. No, no. Uh, but we don't know either. We, we have no idea. So if, if we can make uh, a good allocated portfolio that's going to stand up to our risk tolerance and our time horizon and to make sure that it's going to accomplish our goals within you know a reasonable amount of return either way what i'm basically outlining is an investment policy statement pete um, which is a fantastic concept for people to try and walk through and not get hung up on uh some number that all their friends are achieving at, at a cocktail party make sure that you're hitting your goal year in and year out and don't worry about it um then you can move on with your life uh, set up reasonable goals create a portfolio that's going to accomplish it for you let it go I love this hypothetical cocktail party that you and I always mention. It would be amazing. You know, we've talked about this on the show before. Do you have a rate of return that that is your target? Like for me, it's 8%. I don't really care if I get more. Um, I know sometimes I'll get less, but I just want to average 8% over a long term. And all of my own calculations mm -hmm. are based on that. Yeah, same eight. I mean, I've been told that uh, I should expect 12, but uh, you know, eight, I think is is more reasonable. Uh, Levi in the Facebook Live ask, uh, what was the aggregate performance comparison for the whole time, though? Small caps seem to crush it more years than not. Okay, so the aggregate time frame that uh, I grabbed the last 10 years, but it's actually 2006 through 2020 is the aggregate time frame that they looked at. And what's fascinating, and by the way, I'm going to answer that, Levi, uh, REITs won six times during that 15-year period. Okay, won six times during that 15-year period, yet it is not the winner during the aggregate period. Large cap is, 
and it only won once during the 15-year period. It averaged 9.9 over that period of time annually. Small cap was 8.9 just under that. And so again, when you look at diversification, you don't have to be the winner in any given year. You just have to avoid being the biggest loser during those years. The primary loser in any of these years, commodities was almost always near the bottom during this 15-year period. Uh, cash, uh, understandably, was near the bottom. And so were the emerging and developing market portfolios. But that's the whole point of risk is sometimes they'll jump up and get you one, like in 2017 when it was up 37%. These are the conversations that you would have with an investment advisor instead of hearing something dumb like this on a radio show and making the trades yourself on your own. Don't do that. Like if, if you go like, I didn't know what REITs are, I'm going to look into them. Don't, don't. Just talk to your advisor. Like this isn't the show where it's like, hey, you can do it yourself. First of all, don't come to us. We're not trying to manage your money. We're just trying to get you to understand that if you look at charts like this and you're not a, uh, an intelligent investor that deals, does this all the time, you're going to make a mistake. You just are. Yeah, uh, if you can't uh, comprise or, or create the portfolio yourself and then have the discipline to let it go, you need to talk to an advisor. I thought we we're going to get a frozen joke there. No, I couldn't come sorry. up with one fast enough. So now we're just going to go to the break. Dame, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week, the bomb in current events. Oh, TD is watching the show today. All right, everybody, we'll be back in just a moment. This is the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. And TD Lucy distracted me there. And, and Lucy. Oh, Lucy's watching too. That's an LJ there. Oh, well, yeah, I can LJ. see it. it. Looked like a smiley face with like a tongue sticking out. I didn't know what's happening. That could have been. Hello, LJ. I remember when I first got in the investment business and seeing this chart and feeling <laughs> this is this is so embarrassing. Feeling like I, I remember like getting this chart in training right after I passed my Series Seven. Again, a training course. They handed it to me, and I'd never seen anything like it. And I, I remember taking it home and studying it and, and pretty much trying to pick winners. Mm -hmm. Like if you see this chart for the first time, that's what ends up happening. You're, you're like, well, yeah, I gotta, I gotta pick that one. You know what? Let me see if I can show it real quick. I was wondering if you were going to try. Well, I am going to try now. So let's do that. Everybody who's watching along, you can see what this chart looks like. I didn't want to do it during the radio show because then I would be referencing yeah. uh, all sorts of stuff. All right. So this is what it looks like, y'all. Oh, me. Yeah, this is what it looks like. And so each color represents a different asset class. And then you can see how it does over time. This particular one, um, just Google asset class returns, asset class returns. JP Morgan put this particular one out. Um, I don't know. But when you, when you start looking at it, don't get so caught up that you start uh, picking stuff. You know what I mean? Totally. This is this is used should be used more as instructive than prescriptive uh, at this point. Uh, just look at it, realize that a well diversified portfolio is going to be your best bet in making this work year in and year out, not just picking winners. Absolutely. All right, Dame. So here's what I'm I'm loading up uh, biggest waste of money of the week here. So I, I sort of just showed my hand there. Hmm. Uh, let's get started. Um, oh, I got to do something. Totally forgot to do that. Entertain people for like two seconds, Dame. All right. Thank you. Awesome. We're back at it. <laughs> Give me a half second here. I forgot to do something and now I've done it. 
Uh, and we're good. Okay, awesome. Here we go. I'm ready to go. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the Budsy. The Budsy. At first glance, Budsy is nothing more than a water bottle. I mean, Dame, if you're looking at it, because I'm showing it to you right now, and for those listening on the radio audience, it looks like a Nalgene bottle, like the classic wide mouth Nalgene bottle. Twist off the lid and flip up the spout, and it actually turns into a water pipe. A hidden ceramic bowl inside holds flour and has a rubber tab for safe handling. And the discreet design is made from BPA-free Triton, just like its hydrating cousins. Fittingly, it requires 420 milliliters of water to function, and it is best used with standard non-torch lighters. It's a marijuana pipe, Dame. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, for marijuana drugs. Huh. It's, it's $50. Here's my point. First of all, not a weed guy. Not a weed guy. If, if other people are great, enjoy responsibly. Um, why would you, are we not all adults at this point? Like if you're going to be at a place where you probably are going to enjoy this out in the open, why would you have it disguised like it's an old uh, Cold War era Pepsi can that you're hiding a microfiche in? Like help me understand like why the, uh, why the espionage move? I, I don't see what the use is for this, honestly. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, it's not like you're going to try and sneak this into work. Was well, Levi says it's perfect for when you're hiking, but you also want to get lost. <laughs> Very well, I can't do any jokes better than that. Anyway, you know, I, I think last year on this show about this time, maybe a, a couple of weeks ago, a year ago, uh, I was making the prediction that Indiana, the state in which we live, was going to be on a on track to legalize marijuana in our particular state. And I know a lot of states have gone that route uh, this year based on tax revenue, projected tax revenue to increase the coffers, so to speak. <laughs> um, I think Indiana would probably end up being the last state uh, in the United States to do that. It'll be towards the bottom of the list. I'm pretty confident when I say that. Uh, I am too. But you know what? I got enough other vices. I don't need a new one. Dame, what's in the news this week? You don't need a reopened AMC to catch the latest Fast and Furious installment. Just turn to retailers' new facilities in same-day delivery wars. Three years ago into a partnership, or sorry, it should be three years into a partnership with UK grocer meets tech provider Okado, Kroger unveiled its first shed of delivery sorting bots and a 375,000 foot square, foot square, square foot. You know what? I'll read Going English well. words at well. some point. Uh, anyway, there are a thousand robots in this one facility and they sort 28,000 items a day for next day and same day delivery. They also fulfill about 20 stores worth of orders per day. Target, meanwhile, testing sortation centers and micro fulfillment hubs that are being store picked orders or bring store picked orders to consumers in Minneapolis. What this gets to Kroger expects double to double its digital business by 2023. Still after the pandemic, and its sheds may not be profitable for several years. So they're dumping all this money into it because they see business. It's going to continue to explode, yet they expect to make no money off of it. I have so many thoughts. Number one, did you say the word sortation? I did, and I read that correctly. Wow. 
was yeah. the Dame the Reader show. The second thing I want to mention here, by the way, did I just make a drug reference on the show knowing your kids were watching? Yes, thank you. I'm so sorry. It's all right. Don't do drugs, kids. What he said. At least, yeah. Anyway, um, the other thing I want to mention here, I remember years ago, there's a large beer and liquor distributor in, in central Indiana called Monarch Beverage. And I went to their newer facility a couple years ago to check it out. And it's basically this. It's like robots grabbing and sorting and wrapping mm -hmm. and pulling orders. It is a mind-blowing facility, but they're big pallets of booze. This is interesting because it's like, all right, and, and we'll take one string cheese. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you can just imagine. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, as of Tuesday, you can not only use Venmo to creep on celebrity transactions and your couple friends' relationship dynamics, you can also use it to buy crypto. That's right. The move comes just after a week of Coinbase's head-turning direct listing. Venmo users can now buy, hold, and sell Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash as long as the transaction is at least $1 using funds from their Venmo balances, linked bank accounts, or debit cards. The feature will roll out to all 70 million plus users in coming weeks. You know what I think about a lot? Did our parents think newfangled things were ridiculous? Like I think all newfangled things are ridiculous. I would guess. And then their parents were like, what? That doesn't make sense. But yeah. they were our age. They didn't use that voice. Right. Yeah. It would have been awkward if they did. I'm feeling increasing, like, you know me, I'm, uh, you know, I'm feeling increasingly jaded to uh, NFTs and, and, and Bitcoin. I like, I, it's not, I, I would say I don't care, but clearly I care because I talk about it all the time. I don't know if I'm jealous. I don't know if I just feel silly because I don't understand them. Like, what is my problem? Yeah, how much of uh, my, uh, how much of the the fun that I poke at crypto is because right. I just don't get it. I've I've started to read a a use case earlier this week uh, how it's being used. I think it was in the Bronx to to help out uh, some some communities, uh, some poorer communities. Um, it, it, I still didn't get it. I'll be honest, I, I still didn't get it. So I'm I'm not sure. I, I need somebody to explain it to me because I I want to understand this. I I. I think I understand the blockchain portion of it that the, the bases Bitcoin, but I'm 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 not sure I get how bi the Bitcoin itself is going to make this work. For longtime listeners of the show, we, I used to have a guy on named Jeff the Car Guy, who was a buddy of mine who owned car dealerships, and he would talk about cars and whatnot. Go figure. Uh, and he, he's a buddy of mine, and I remember years ago him telling me that blockchain sort of technology is the future of everything. And, and maybe specifically within, you know, parts and, and distribution and logistics within the world he was in, but he was studying it. My guess, and I've not talked to him about this in a long time, but my guess is he went after it, you know, and, and, and made some serious investments. I can't tell if, again, my disapproval of crypto is a jadedness because I didn't have the foresight to get in. I, I'm just being honest. I don't know what it is, but I also know that I'm not willing to try to get in now. I'll just say that. A hospital employee in Italy has been accused of skipping work on full pay for 15 years. The man is alleged to have stopped turning up to work at the local hospital in the southern city of Catanzaro 
in 2005. He's now being investigated for fraud, extortion, and abuse of office. He was reportedly paid 538,000 euros in a total over the years uh, that he is thought to have not been working. The employee is a civil servant, was assigned to a job in the hospital in 2005, and it was at this point he stopped going into work, the police said. Uh, the police have also accused him of threatening his manager to stop her from filing a disciplinary report against him. That manager later retired, and his ongoing absence was never noticed by her successor or human relations. Isn't this the storyline of Seinfeld when George stops showing up for work or Kramer or somebody, right? Interesting. Maybe this is just the you know life imitating art theory here. So, Dame, I think I would know if you didn't show up for work for 15 years. I, I appreciate that. I'm flattered. Yeah. I don't know if anyone around here would know well, probably if not. I didn't show up for work. Oh, well, they might, but it might be a different reaction. I'm convinced most of our coworkers, and, and, and respectfully, don't exactly know what I do. And I, I mean, because it, it's sort of a nebulous, weird, strange role. Yeah. I talk a lot. You do. <laughs> I don't know if I do anything else. Finally, Pete, uh, the Academy Awards are this weekend. Uh, my Oscar pick this year is going to the Grouch. I'm looking forward to seeing him deliver his acceptance speech uh, from his trash can on stage. Was that it? Was that, that the big one? That was it, yeah. <laughs> Dave said, I got a great joke to end the show today. No, no, no. I didn't say great joke. I said I had a joke that's not going to go over well, but I wanted to say it anyway. Oh, man, that was great. Sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. That's Dame the Reader. I'm Pete the Planner. So glad you listened this week. And this is the Pete the Planner show. Never tell anyone, including me, that you've got a good joke. I didn't say it was a good joke. I said it was a joke. But the, by the fact that you tell someone you have a joke means you think it's good. Well, that's true. I'll, I'll go with that. I'll tell you, one of the worst things ever, and I, I've stopped, if I'll do an event, you know, they read your bio, and in my event, you speak, former comedian, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. As much as I can, I avoid that now, right? Because while it's interesting for people to go, oh, this is going to be funny, telling people you're funny before you try to be funny is not a good idea. Noted. No, no, this is not criticism of you. I was just telling other people. I, I think we all know what you're doing. <laughs> Damn, you taking the rest of the day off, buddy? Yes. Yes, I am. To explain the marijuana references to your kids. Yeah, I'm going to have to sit down and have that discussion with my kids now. Thanks. You know what you should, though? I should. But... You know what? It's weird when you watch stuff on TV and like a commercial and it's like a little bit racy and you're like, my kids sitting right here. Like, do I bring it up? Do they do they know that? Like, did you have those thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I so I was reading the comments on the sidebar and watching uh, people have comments on my joke. Well, I'm glad you were listening to the show. All right, hey, let's just go ahead and end it there, so yeah. I can do some things. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Um, next week we're going to do a show again, and it's going to be real. I'll be fully vaccinated. I probably Ooh. will be in a fever state like I was last time. I was dead during the vaccination, but I'm fine. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good week. Bye.